Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome drummer Dusty Saxton. Now, Dusty is the full-time drummer for Granger Smith and has been for about the last 10 years. But his journey in music has been a long and winding road and it actually began really before he was born. We had a great time talking to him about those stories and also about his journey that has taken him from the small clubs in Austin to the biggest stages around the world. So please enjoy our conversation with Dusty Saxton. You are one of the reasons I love doing this podcast because I I wanted to have you on because I love your work as a drummer. And I watch your videos and I'm just mesmerized by them. So that's why I wanted to have you on. But then I started looking into your background and realized you have this whole other life that you had before getting a full-time gig as a drummer. And on Country Music Made Me, I love to take that journey. I love to learn how a person has gotten to where they are. So this musical journey that you've been on, it started before you were even born, I believe, and in your mother's womb, you would kick a little more when there was live music around. So talk about some of the stories yeah. that your mom has told you about that time and sort of how musical you were before being born. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So my my mom um, was a big music fan. Um, my dad was a musician. And um, this one time she was at a show while very pregnant with me and um the drummer for the band walked by and dropped a cymbal on the ground like a cymbal stand fell over or something and that loud crash happened right next to her and she said that at that when that happened i kicked so hard in her stomach that people across the room saw it and she said from that day on anytime there was like a drum anytime she was there for like drum sound check or the drummer had a drum solo or, you know, the drums were really featured in a song that I would always kick like crazy. And then, uh, so that kind of introduced it into her mind that, you know, I was going to be a drummer. I mean, it was pretty decided. I was definitely going to be a musician being a musical family. Right. Um, or kind of a, a music obsessed family, uh, so, um, so yeah, that just kind of brought it up to her that, yeah, Dusty's going to be a drummer. And, um, so from immediately right after I was born, I mean, I, I got my first little toy drum set, um, the, the Christmas before my second birthday. Oh, wow. Um, and I had drumsticks, like, uh, the, I think the, the drummer for that band had given my mom a pair of sticks and my dad had like cut off like the last four inches of them to make them like kid sized. Right. And, uh, and I just played on everything in the house, just banged on everything, you know? So as I was five years old, I had a, I had a, an actual drum set and I, I played that drum set until I was about seven. By the time I was seven, it was so beat to hell that it wouldn't even stand up straight. Like it was just broken all, all around. Oh, wow. Um, so we got rid of it. And, uh, from like age eight and on, I actually had no drums in my life there uh, that when that drum set, when we got rid of that drum set, I was kind of 
I kind of took a break from music for a while. I played sports. I played soccer. I played baseball. Um, but then when junior high started up, like fifth, fifth grade, I got really back into music again. Um, didn't have drums in the house, but we had guitars and we had piano. So I learned, I was kind of taught myself other instruments. Right. Yeah. Talk about that because I read that you basically taught yourself guitar and piano, like on your own, like even behind the backs of your mom and dad, they didn't even know you were doing this and you just taught yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. I was, um, I was, this was probably like fourth grade. Um, and I would ride the bus home from school and I would be alone at the house for about an hour or an hour and a half before between me getting off the bus and my mom getting home from work. So over that hour and a half, I would, I I would sit down at the piano that was just in the living room and just kind of mess around with it. And eventually learned like Beatles songs on piano and like uh, Elton, Elton John songs, you know, like classic stuff that my mom would just listen to. Um, And Eventually, I kind of my dad's guitar amp and and guitar would be in the corner, and I uh, learned how to just plug it in and turn it on, and started kind of learning guitar, you know, with horrible technique um, as a probably like a, a ten year old, um, but yeah, slowly picked it up and. Um, I mean, looking back on it, I would not have, I don't think I would have been interested in those other instruments if I hadn't have already like had some success on drums. Like, right. Um, as a kid, like playing guitar is painful. Like you have to build up those calluses. Right. Yeah. Um, and playing piano. Uh, I mean, I sat down at the piano every day because I wanted to and figured it out on my own, which was interesting to me. Um, other kids that I knew were taking piano lessons and hated it. Yeah. So um, I think it was because probably because I had already, I mean, drums is not an easier instrument, but it is an easy instrument for a kid to think he's good at. Right. Yes. You know, like, me hitting the drum as a, as a six-year-old sounds the same as a professional drummer hitting the drum. Um, you know, whereas a, a, a 10-year-old playing guitar might think, might hear it and think they suck and like have horrible confidence. Right. Um, being a drummer at such an early age did a lot for my musical confidence. So when I would sit down to learn the piano, even if what I heard sounded bad, I would just tell myself, Oh, you can do drums. You can do this. Just figure it. You know, it's like, it's the next challenge um, was learning other instruments. And uh, I don't know if I would have, um, I, I think maybe I would have been too discouraged, uh, you know, if I hadn't have already like had drums as a, as a thing. Right. Yeah. And now, once everyone sort of learned, like your parents learned that you had taught yourself these instruments, I believe your grandpa, just after that, at around 12 years old, bought you a MSA double neck pedal steel. 
<laughs> I still have it. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that and what your grandpa, what that relationship has meant to you and how he inspired your journey and also just that instrument, what that means to you now still having it. Absolutely. Um, man, my grandpa was definitely uh, the probably the biggest influence on me. He was um, he told me things like one of his old sayings. Of course, like many grandpas um, or their grandkids, is that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's a, a common grandpa saying. Yeah. But my grandpa also said something to me that is that sticks with me all the time, and I tell other people all the time is a constant knock will put a hole in a rock, and that basically meant that just never give up at anything if you really want if you really want it to happen never give up on it and so after like i struggled with uh like being in high school when all your friends are wanting to go to college or the big the big pressure is to go to college right and i didn't know what i wanted to do like if you really asked me what i wanted to do i wanted to be a professional drummer but I had no idea how to make that happen. And it seemed like from coming from just random small town in Texas, it seemed like something that was just something that happened in California. Like right. uh, at this specific time, Taylor Hawkins was a big influence on me, but Taylor was in California and he had, you know, that long blonde surfer hair. He was, he couldn't have been more opposite of me. Right. And, uh, I remember just seeing other bands and, and, and thinking to myself, I have, I'm going to have to like move. I'm going to have to leave. Like I'm going to have to abandon this small town. If I, you know, like bands don't, bands don't pop up in this town. Like, I don't even know any other kids that would want to be in a band. Right. Like, even if I wanted to start one, it's like, I'm going to have to get out. And after high school, I had, you know, I had just a, just a job, just a day job. And I remember, like, really having kind of a crisis over it. Like, if I don't play music or at least pursue it, like, because everyone would tell me, Dusty, you're so talented. You're you're good enough. You're just as good as all these other people. And you're, you know, you're you're good enough to do this. You're good enough to be in any band. You could play for anybody. That's what they always would say. Right. And I would always just be like, well, then you know what? Send me the job application. Like, like, tell me where to apply. Where do I sign up? Because man, I want to do it. And I had to really wrap my head around how do you get a job that you can't apply for. Right. Yeah. Like, how do you even get your foot in the door? So to, you know, that's what everybody always says. You have, you have to know somebody or somebody has to know you, but that just wasn't good enough for me. I, I didn't just want to be like, well, that's just something that Taylor Hawkins gets to do out in California. That's not for me, uh, you know, or drummers like him. Uh, and so I had to kind of seriously be like, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to, abandon this country life that I have and I'm going to move to somewhere. And I had to decide like Nashville, that's 
far away or California. That's really far away. It was like so scary, but Austin was not that far. Um, it was only a couple hours away and I had family in Austin. My mom was from there. Um, Austin wasn't, uh, it was, it was a pretty familiar city to me. Um, I started looking for bands and I had actually, I was actually, um, playing bass for a band kind of still in my hometown and we had gotten our first few paying gigs and one of those gigs paid a hundred bucks to the entire band and we split it five ways and we each made 20 bucks and it blew my mind i was like wow this is amazing like i can buy gas and go home (laughs) and the singer said that if you do this enough times in a week like we could quit our jobs and that's when it just blew my mind i was like whoa this is how people do it and so then i was like all right i just gotta i just gotta find a more serious band um and i found some i found you know i, I found a band in dallas that that wanted a guitar player i, I was willing to play any instrument just right. to get me in a serious band because i knew that that's what it came down to was being serious right yeah um, and so I moved to, or I didn't move. I, I tried out for this band on guitar in Dallas and they liked me. I actually got offered the spot, but I was like, ah, I don't really like Dallas. Um, I don't really feel confident on guitar to be a full-blown professional guitar player. Right. Because uh, I had known other guitar players that were so much better than me. And I was like, man, if I'm going to do it for real, I need to be a drummer. So uh, I kind of declined the offer for that band and kind of came back home and regrouped like I had seen what I was like okay I need to just look for bands that look for ads for drummers right yeah everywhere and 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 that's when I kind of turned my sights on Austin full-time and saved up some money for a, a drum set um and had all new gear and then started looking for bands and I found one that needed a drummer or a bass player and i had uh I contacted them and they had been a band already um for three or four years and the band had kind of temporarily broke up while members kind of one at a time moved to austin and um they found me and <clears throat> kind of offered me the spot like without a real audition i, I had enough recordings of things then that i could send you know, examples of my playing. So people could know that I could play. Right. And, you know, at that point, it's more about meeting someone that you can get along with. I was in that band for four years. And was that um, Ember? That was Ember. Okay. Um, and during that time in Ember, you, to, to go back to my grandpa, my grandpa yeah. passed away during, uh, back in 2007. So I had just moved. Oh, I had, okay. I had just made the move when he passed away it really uh, made me, it kind of solidified my um, motivation to, to continue. Like when I first, I mean, that, that year that I I moved in July and he passed away in October. Um, So moving away from home was, was tough for the very first time. Um, being in a band of kind of strangers, I mean, they had become my instant new best friends, but I still had, these were still strangers. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I had a new, I, I moved down. I, I had gotten a job, just a day job in a mail room, um, which is just smart to do. Um, and so my grandpa, you know, I, I knew my mom was supportive. My mom was happy that I moved to Austin. She loved Austin. Um, my grandpa was really the only person that I missed. Um, and so when he passed away, of course I, I missed him, but it was kind of like, okay, I'm doing this now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. Right. Yeah. And I had researched other bands and other musicians enough to know that rarely do people get it right on the first try. Um, you know, like one of my favorite bands back then was Avenged Sevenfold still is. Right. And yeah. I knew enough about each individual band member to know that they were all in other bands before they were in Avenged. Um, and, you know, so many other bands, you read about their history and you realize that it wasn't everyone's first band. Yeah. And so I kept that in mind. And I knew that when that first band started to kind of fall apart, um, I mean, not only the band fell apart, the whole genre of rock music fell apart. Right. Yeah. Um, I knew in my head, like, this isn't just going to, this isn't going to be my last band. Right. Yeah. And I had met other drummers like i had discovered the concept of the independent drummer the drummer that is just bounced bounces back and forth between from band to band and honestly that was the ultimate dream because i really loved all types of music right and the idea that i could be a drummer that would play a rock gig one day and a country gig the next day and a pop gig one day and maybe a jazz gig one day like and an acoustic shows in between, like that was awesome. That was the dream was to not have to play the same thing all the time. Right. Or to not have to play the same genre all the time, at least when that band, I, like I had, I hadn't ever considered playing country. Uh, and then when country music, when the option came up to play for a country band in Texas, I was a little, uh, I mean, it was, it was a little, I don't want to say discouraging. It was like, it was like, I don't want to play. I'm, I'm only 23. I don't want to play country. I want to still play. I want to keep playing rock or maybe I'll find a cool metal band. You right, know, like, yeah. Um, and, uh, but man, playing country music was so, was such a challenge. Um, because in, in a rock band, everything is loud. Every song is loud. And every band member is just going 110% every song. Right. Yeah. But in a country band, I had to learn how to match the intensity of the other band members, you know, cause you don't want to be the drummer going 110% when it's a, a, a chill song. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a, a big kind of awakening was that songs aren't just slow or, or songs aren't just loud or quiet. There's a million different degrees between quiet before you get to loud right yeah and did you know like with granger now like you're basically mixing the rock and the country and you're going like on some songs you're going hard like you're going yeah. metal on these songs oh, yeah. and so did you know that going into country music that you were able to still keep that rock edge or did you feel that you might lose that if you got into the country end of things uh, that's, I was definitely afraid of losing it in the very beginning. I mean, and this was back in like 2010 
like 10, 12 years ago when country was just starting to get kind of the rock, the real rock edge. I mean, rock, rock has been sneaking its way into country since the nineties, Yeah, but uh, you know, it really started to get a heavier mainstream rock feel. Um, And I wasn't, I I didn't know that it was going to be that way in the very beginning. Like in the beginning, I was, I was really uh, hip to this idea of being the independent drummer who was a chameleon and would change things up for different genres. So when I first showed up for my first country gig, I just brought a four piece kit with two cymbals and the hi hat. I brought some shakers. I brought some brushes. I brought everything I did. I needed to play a quiet gig, no double bass pedal. And I charted the songs out. I nailed the songs in the audition. I didn't do anything fancy. And it would, it would stay that way for, for a, a long time until right. we started playing until our first like crazy festival. And then I started to miss the double bass pedal on some big ending notes, you know, like just a, just the big trash can ending at the end. I was right. like, you know what? We're, 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 we're an intent with the energy's high enough that I could use the double bass at the end of the song. Right. And then um, with Granger, I mean, I, I, I joined Granger as soon as the Earl Dibbles thing had just started. Right. So, and Granger's songs were already, there was a song, Granger had an old song that he was playing that was basically like a Paramore song for, for as a drummer. And oh, okay. I was, it was fast. And I was like, man, this is like the fastest song I've played in the last five years. Like, and if I was playing like at full volume, it was very tiring. And actually the, the drummer that I replaced in Granger, I had filled in for him before in another band and he's a left-handed drummer, Caleb Kelly. He's a, he's a, he's a left-handed but he plays a right-handed kit. Oh, okay. So he plays open-handed, but it was very, uh, like, it's very challenging. I had to, like, actually learn the parts the way, I had to play them like that in order to, in order to play the part. Oh, okay. Um, so in the very beginning, I mean, from the beginning, Granger was already, the music was already challenging. Um and it was challenging, I guess, to play it in my style. Like I, I, I like to play hard and loud. Um, my actual, my first gig with Granger, the very first note of the first song, I made everyone in the band and everyone in the front row jumped on the very first note. Really? I was just, I was coming fresh out of a rock tour. I played every song loud. And my very first note I hit and I saw everybody jump and I was like, Oh man, I'm, I got to lay back. I'm in a country band again. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, like you mentioned, there was, I think two drummers before you with Ranger when you joined him. Now, how long did it take for you to become comfortable in making the music your own? Like, was there a time where you were scared to do anything different and you sort of had to grow with that and learn how to be confident in making the music your own? Um, with, With Granger, it, it didn't take very long. Um, I would say my first country gig, it was probably um, eight to nine months, uh, which was much longer. Um, right. When I, when I joined Granger, I knew all those guys. I was friends with them. I was buddies with them and they knew 
my reputation as a drummer. I mean, oh, okay. it, it, Granger's actually said that he he hired me kind of for that reason. Oh, okay. Um, which was cool because um, another thing that I had he- always heard as a as a drummer was that the best thing you can do or the best thing that can happen is to have someone hire you for you and to not hire you just to play what's the parts on the album. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have produced music, I've produced bands and I understand the value of a drummer that can play the parts on the album. And there are some songs. That's why that's another reason why I started posting more full show videos instead of just the crazy songs because there are some songs where I do lay back and I don't do anything. There's some songs where I tell myself, okay, don't hit any toms on this song, just oh, kick okay. and snare and cymbals. Right. Um, I mean, I, I do put rules on myself in certain moments. And then in other moments, I just throw the whole rule book out the window. And what I play each night is based on what's going on around me. Is it a crazy show? Then we're all going crazy. Is it, is it just, is it, is it a big show, but the crowd's not that into it? Cause then it's, then we play it. Then we're going to lay back a little bit. I mean, I'm literally, I'm like the barometer of, of the climate around me. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, we play some shows where it's like a sit down dinner vibe and, you know, I turn into a sit down dinner vibe drummer. <laughs> right. And within that, like I was going to ask you, like you mentioned Taylor being an influence on you and someone like that playing in front of millions of people every night and having this reputation of just like going full out and being like the man. And so with being a drummer and with getting up in front of people night after night and having to do your thing and do it perfectly. Like, is there anxiety tied to that of, of course you love it and that's why you do it. But is there anxiety of the pressure of that? Um, the pressure, not so much. Um, uh, people always ask me if I ha- ever have stage fright. Right. And I have never really had stage fright. I mean, I've been nervous about equipment functioning correctly on stage. I've been nervous about... Um, I mean, I've just been nervous about production type worries okay but i myself as a performer have never really had what i would consider stage fright like where i haven't wanted to go on stage i've always wanted to go on stage right i've always been ready to go on stage um you know it's it's some to me i i mean (laughs) i joke around with the band and especially specifically granger because I mean, I, I didn't play, I haven't played many bad shows with Granger, but before, like in other bands, we played so many shows where there was nobody there, like where there was only nine people in the crowd. Right. And for years it was like that. Like, uh, so now to, to have, to have a decent crowd every night, I mean, not, not every night is sold out, but every night there's at least a front row of people pushed to the front. Right. And that always feels great. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like I don't, I don't crave, like I don't interact with fans a lot. Like I don't crave uh, the attention, but it f- just feels good 
to play music for people. Um, it feels good when people, it feels good to see the crowd be happy, you know? So I guess every night I'm more excited to go out and be with them, go out and be a part of it than to, uh, you know, it's not, it's not scary. Right. Yeah. And within this career, I mean, you've had times where you've had to live in your car. You've had to crash on friends' couches because you didn't have a house. You've had to make all these sacrifices. And especially in 2020, when everything shut down, you didn't even know if you would have a paycheck anymore following that. And you had to get another job and you were selling life insurance. And it felt like that was going pretty well. And I imagine that after 2020, 2021, you could have just kept doing that. You could have kept selling insurance and having a normal paycheck and going along. So within this journey of all the ups and downs, what is it that keeps you going and chasing this? I mean, it's, it's, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I mean, everything else has always been secondary. I had a friend um, back when, you know, Back when, like in the dark ages, you know, back when I was sleeping in my car in between gigs, um, I mean, I only did that was because I knew one day, I knew that if I stuck it out long enough that a good gig would show up, I needed to be available for it when it happened. Right. And I knew it might take four or five years or, I mean, I was prepared for it to take 10 years. I had a musician friend that we were just talking one day and I was listening to the, we we had the radio going and I was, I I said, every, listen to the radio, every single band on the radio needs a drummer. Like there are on every, on every station, every single band playing all day on every radio station across the whole country needs a drummer or has needed one. And that to me was just like so much opportunity out there. And my friend heard me say that and was like, you have such a backwards perception. Most, most musicians are listening to the radio thinking, oh, this music sucks. And nobody, it's no real talent ever gets noticed. And, you know, like most musicians listen to the radio and have such a negative opinion of it, but you listen to it and have nothing but hope and opportunity. Right. It felt so good to be a kid in with my drums in the, in the car, in the trunk of the car with just three more days till my next gig. And I just said, well, I just got to do nothing for three, for three days. Like I've got a gig lined up and here I am, you know, with 50 bucks, I just got to make this 50 bucks last for three days. And then I got another gig. Right. So when 2020 hit, I mean, the awesome thing is, is that the Granger gig is awesome. Like the shows are great. The, the crowds are great. Um, we're on, and I sleep on a bus. I don't have to sleep in a van or in my car, you know, and, um, uh, and I'm married now. And, 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 uh, I mean, I got married in the pandemic, yeah. <laughs> but life is so good. Like every I've got, I've achieved everything I ever want. Every, like when I, when I, when I, was in that first rock band our big goals were to be on a bus um and to like to get a record deal and 
to play like a late night TV show. That was like the biggest thing was like, if you played late night TV, that was the cool, that was the coolest thing you could possibly do. Right. And I'd done it three times with Granger. And um, I mean, so many things that were such a lofty outlandish dream, even when I graduated high school are now, now things that I've done multiple times. Um, I mean, even my wife, like I, I, she, we went to high school together. She was my high school crush. And now, now I'm married to her. Like I just never left the path. Like it's just always what I wanted to do. I have my mind made up and nothing was worth quitting. Like the, the fear of giving up was the worst fear ever. The right. fear of, of, of what would, how I would feel if I quit, you know, like, because I knew that like, I was just one phone call away from the next gig, like being available. Right. Yeah. And when I look back on it now, after all those years and, and from gig to gig to gig, one gig always led to the next, always led to another, like one bass player for one gig would be in another band that needed a drummer a month later and would call me like nothing. I no gig I ever did was worthless. Even the ones that paid no money, you know, like I always either got a recommendation or made a good impression on someone that needed me, you know, later. I mean, all those, all those random gigs I took, was how I was friends with everyone in Granger's band before even being their drummer. You talk about playing um, late night TV and you had a drum kit that you took basically from 2009 when you were just starting out and you had it all the way to 2017 when you started to play the late night shows and the Today Show and all these big gigs. Now, as a musician, what does it mean to have one instrument carry along with you throughout all those times and it's 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 pretty awesome um and actually that's the that's the drum set that i'm still playing uh today oh really um it i i retired it for i i was gonna retire it for good because honestly it had done enough <laughs> it deserved to just you know rest um and I replaced it with a brand new shiny top of the line, nice, awesome new, you know, made in USA drum kit. And, um, and those drums sounded awesome and they felt awesome and it was great. And then, uh, we had, um, an 18 wheeler wreck. Um, the driver survived, but the drums, some of the drums survived, some of them didn't. And so that drum kit, um, kind of left my life right. and um i was like well i'm just gonna break out the old silver sparkle kit again and load it back it up to in the trailer and uh i did it and it feels i mean it feels good uh it, it was a reminder to one stop spending money as a drummer right. stop buying new stuff uh you know your old stuff still works just use it um I mean, I probably spent a year's or two, probably two years worth of savings on that drum set. And it was just gone in one day. 
like one day it was just gone. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that was a real, that was a tough, you know, that, that drum set was really kind of a, 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 like a, not, not a badge of honor, but it was like, I had, li- I, I, I wanted it for so long. Um, but it just was a reminder to me to spend, you know, financially as a musician, save your money and spend it on things that are more sustaining for you personally. Um, and to, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. And, um, it, it emptied me to, to put so much, um, effort into something, uh, that in the all, all in all, it was just a materialistic thing. I just wanted a new shiny, big, new shiny drum set. And it didn't sound any better. It didn't make me play any better. It didn't make the shows any better. Um, and so, yeah, it, now when I see my drums, yeah, they're, they've got dings and scratches all in them. And one day I will replace it with a new drum set. It won't be top of the line and it won't be anything crazy. But um, for now, it, after COVID, I mean, it seems like we are in, I mean, we're playing less shows than we used to. We're not, we're not as busy, um, but the shows are bigger. The shows um, mean a little more, I think, to right. all of us. So it's, uh, you know, before me and that drum set, it was like we were battling it out on 6th Street and we were in the trenches and doing all the, all these gigs and, and now it's kind of like we are, we've got the good life now, but we're like, I don't know. I I stick with it because it it reminds me of like, I literally can see a scar in the drum and remember what night it was that that happened. Right. Or like, remember that all the, it's got all these little uh, spider web cracks in it from one day we unloaded it and 15 degree weather and brought it in too fast and it cracked all over um you know so stuff like that that really just make the whole like my whole gig experience right now is so good because it's been 12 years to get here and also i see how much further we have to go like that's the other comforting thing after covid is that you know covid just came in and just wiped everybody off the tour schedule and i mean it, it, in some cases it was two years we're we're just now this year or just a couple of months ago went back to places that we haven't like we've seen just gone back to fans that haven't seen us in three years right yeah and so now to be doing it again and see how strong it is again and live music is back so much i mean it feels exciting to me now the way it did in the very beginning when I was seeing my first big festival crowd, like it feels that way again. Like I am on fire for it. All the other bands are on fire for it. The music fans are on fire for it. I mean, everything feels like, I don't know. It feels like Woodstock. I don't know. Like every, every show it's just, you know, I, (laughs) I just can't. Yeah. From what you've put in to this life, 
and building up this career and to where you are now, do you ever have to remind yourself of where you've come from and how far you've gone? Or is that never lost on you of that journey? It's both. I am constantly reminding myself, but I am, I mean, I still live basically in my hometown. The tour bus drives right through my hometown almost every time we leave to go anywhere. Oh, really? Like sometimes I will, I'll stay, like if we have, we'll have bus call at midnight and about an hour into the drive, we drive through my hometown almost every trip and I'll stay up. I'll stay up almost every night and stick my head out the window and just watch my hometown go by from the tour bus. I mean, I've done it a hundred times. It never gets old. Um, I mean, I'm, I married my high school crush, my, my wife. I mean, I have so much, like one of my favorite things about being in being Granger's drummer specifically is that I didn't have to move away. Like when I first, graduated high school i told myself if i'm going to be successful i've got to move right yeah and you know i i moved to austin but that was still only like two hours away i mean i still had to move and i still had to take it very seriously and pursue it you know all out 100 percent. but when i look back on it i really didn't i really only moved 45 minutes down the road one last thing i just wanted to ask you about before this all took off I mean, you had your whole promotion career that we'll have to talk about another day, but I wanted to ask you about the polo shirt mafia and if that was actually (laughs) a thing. Um, It wasn't really a thing. It was um, me uh, as a, as a, as a hip hop producer. And I would, as this was when I was in college, I went to college for a really short time, but I would, um, I would, I would make, I would, I would produce a song on my laptop. And I would have just anyone, I would say, hey, here's this song. I know you've been having a rough day. Uh, Like any of my friends that I knew were either stressed or frustrated, I would be like, hey, just take this song home, put your headphones in and open your laptop and just wrap it out, wrap out your frustrations. And um, that's what it was. It it was it was intended to be an anonymous vent like like anonymous rap group of just people venting their frustrations into songs. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Dusty for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to keep an eye on the podcast for part two, hopefully coming at you in the near future. Please also be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow and maybe even leave us a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.